Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. All right, turn to the person next and say, get ready. That was pathetic. Get ready. We are going there. How many know that uh, women and men are very different? Nobody knows that in the 11 o'clock. How are we doing down south? Men and women are different. Sure are up at north. Are they different up north as well? I think they are. And even when it comes to the area of finances, men and women can look at it very different. Do you know that men, when they go to Bunnings, will pay twice what something is worth because they need it? I need that. Marie says, what are we doing? Let's go for a ride to Bunnings. I need some stuff. Women are a little bit different. They will pay $1 for something that's worth $2 because they think they need it. And the underlying God moment is it's on sale. How many know in our marriage, Marie, you know, over many years, she says, look, it's, it's on sale, 50%. I said, what's? The wording under the 50%, up to. That means there's only one thing on sale in the store and you are going to be fooled into believing. So we've got this thing in our marriage. Whenever we see a sale side, she looks at me and she says, up to. It's a huge thing, this whole area of finances. I want you to not think about this as a verse or the scripture that I bring as another verse, but think about it as God's absolute truth. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. Listen to these words. You shall remember the Lord your God. It's amazing how many times around money that God puts Himself in the centre of the money equation. You shall remember not just a principled thing, but not just a have to do thing. You shall remember who I am. And it is He, the Lord your God, who gives you the power to get wealth. In other words, sometimes in church we think if we pray the right prayer or we do the right thing, God is gonna turn up and bring money to us. But actually the Bible teaches a different pattern. It says, I wanna empower you to be able to unlock wealth. Why? Why would we wanna see an unlocking of wealth? So that God may be able to establish His covenant. So that the kingdom of God would come into full full focus in our own personal worlds, our family worlds, and in the purpose of His will for our planet. And there is this challenge for all of us of going, wow. So God wants to set me up with a pathway. God wants to give to me some tools so that I can unlock this ability to break through financially so that God's kingdom will not be limited. You can tell I'm pretty pumped up about this. And I do believe that the enemy has gained an advantage in our world. Why? Because the enemy has caused us to go, you know that money thing, you just gotta watch out for it. And and yet God teaches it differently. Basically, you read the Bible when it comes to stewarding, to money, to all areas around this subject, and you'll come away with this phrase that money requires intentionality. If you're not intentional about the material world, I'm not sure you're ever gonna break through. And the question is, when it comes to finances, do you have a pathway? 
Or are you just believing that God's gonna turn up and do something just out of the blue and it's all gonna work for you? And I do believe in praying for people to have a financial breakthrough, but I'm gonna pray for you and this is what we're praying. I'm praying for you so that you will get ready to make the changes you need to make because God wants to equip you to break through, to break through in this area. Can somebody say amen? Seriously, don't just sit back this morning. I want you to engage your heart and go, hey, maybe I am one of those that just expect that God's gonna do it all. It's like a a young woman that brought her fiancé home to meet parents because the parents had been overseas for a year or two. And uh, so she invited him to come over for a meal and they had a lovely meal together. But uh, mum said to dad, you know, you better get some time with him tonight. Find out what he's really like. So as a good dad, he said, sure, I'll do that. He invited the young man to to come to his man cave. Now we're talking. Come on, why don't you come and have a game of pool? They had a pool table there and so they began to play pool. And so he just asked this young man casually, so so what are your plans? What's your plans in life? What What do you wanna do with your life? The young man responded, he says, well, you know what, I'm not sure, but I, I do wanna make a difference in the world. I, I wanna make sure that we would see poverty drop down. Dad said to him, well, mm, that's, that's pretty amazing. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm impressed that that's your heart to do. He said, uh, so how are you gonna fund that? Young man responded, well, God will provide. And, and as the night unfolded, what about my daughter? You, you, you're obviously engaged now. And she talked to us about that before you did get engaged while we were overseas. But I noticed she doesn't have a ring. You're gonna get her a ring? You, you're eventually gonna get married? Uh, how are you gonna provide for her? The man responded, well, you don't have to worry, sir. sir honestly, uh, God will provide. He, he's a provider. God will look after all of us. What about children in time? Are you planning children? Well, yes, said the young man, but they're expensive. How many can relate to that? Well, so God loves the kids and and I know that God will provide. Later on that night, his wife asked him, well, how'd you go with him? What's he like behind the scenes? The father said, well, he's a great young man. He's got lots of dreams and he's got some great outlooks on what he would like to do with his life. But uh, he has no money. I think he thinks I'm God. (laughs) If we're really serious, money doesn't grow on trees, but it comes from somebody's pockets. And as a parent, you'll know that that's true. And so, as I said, week one, we looked at some of the misunderstandings, uh, wrong concepts around money that the Bible causes us to see differently. Second week, I began to talk about how financial freedom requires principled faith. This whole thought that money does require intentionality. If it is one of the big three, why is it then, as I said before, we don't have accountability? When was the last time you talked to somebody you trusted about your financial world and how you're living with money? No, we just keep it, it's the too hard basket. We keep it hidden, but God doesn't deal with that. In fact, every major life challenge has somewhat to do with money. You might say, well, this isn't a series for me because I've got lots of money. No, it's not about having lots of money. The question is, has money got you or have you got it? Because you can have a whole lot, but be very empty. And God says, hey, I wanna bless you in a way that you will live a different understanding. This whole thought that we are all called 
to live a life where financial freedom operates on a principal faith pathway. And we saw last week how who we position first gains the control. Is it God or is it mammon? God takes us on a journey of saying, this is one of the things that all of us need to look at. And so there are four components of living or creating this pathway to financial freedom that I've come across and Marie and I have embraced and we've taught people for years around these thoughts. The first one is we've seen is stewarding. The second one is seeding. The third one is sowing. And the fourth one is spending. We're gonna wrap up the series in a couple of weeks time where we're gonna talk about spending wisely. How do we deal with where we're at and the income we receive on an everyday basis? As we saw last week, we position God's sovereign with our stewarding. The first aspect is honouring God with what is His. No Christian gives a tithe. A tithe is the first tenth. No, it's a returning, it's an entrustment. And we get to choose who and what is in the place of authority over our financial world. When we bring the first tenth of our increase, God says, you are inviting me to stand over that increase, protect it and multiply it. When you don't honour me, mammon is waiting for an opportunity over that increase to begin to lord it over you. And as I said, it's not giving, it's returning. Money determines the resident authority. So sometimes we struggle and you might have great gift and you can build a lot of money. The thing is, who or what is controlling you? Because you think once I get money, I'll get freedom. The Bible teaches it the opposite. With money comes a decision of who's an authority over that. So you can have more money and end up more empty because mammon is now controlling you. You are serving it. It is not free to serve you. Literally, who are we positioning in the driver's seat? So our tithing is the positioning of first of lordship, and it is something that comes out of us. It's a sovereignty decision. We saw last week, it's a priority decision, and also it's a security decision. Malachi 3, God says, there's one thing, only thing God asks in the whole Bible for us to test Him and prove Him in is what? Returning what belongs to Him. Prove me now if I will not, here it is, Open the windows of heaven, pour you out such a blessing. Not only that, I can stand and say, devil, you can't touch that. I'm in a place where you have asked me to stay Lord in your financial world, not just your salvation world. And so I can stand and say, devil, you can't have your way over this life. Positioning, returning and proving that God is in it. Today, I wanna go into the next two components. So there is the stewarding, but there is also then seeding and saving. One of these I was never taught in church. And so I understood the power of generosity. I understood of returning what belonged to God, but I didn't understand what it was to seed and to see God take us to a new level. As I said, tithing is not giving, seeding is giving. It's investing. And so when you go back to Malachi, Malachi 3.8, will someone, will a human being, a man rob God? Not take from God, but rob God from releasing His purpose through them. I wanna make you free in this area. Yet you've robbed me from the opportunity to do that. In what way have we robbed you? In not returning what belongs to me. And secondly, not sowing, which multiplies a harvest. 
How much over the last year have you sown for a harvest? How much have you invested beyond yourself? There is a sowing for us to grow. There's a sowing that's bigger than what we ever imagined. Years ago, I was reading after the world restarted at the time of Noah. God flooded the earth because of wickedness and Noah and his household were saved. And the very first statement that God brings to Noah, we find in Genesis 8 verse 22. And you've got to get this because this is a restart. God says, as long as the earth remains, as long as the earth, in 2021, as long as the earth remains, there will be these four things, seed time and harvest. There will be cold and heat. There will be winter and summer. There will be day and night. These will not stop irrevocable laws. When I sat and read that, I thought, wow, if you were starting something, you would say, how are we gonna build from scratch? And God says, here's how you do it. If you sow, you'll create a harvest. This divine law, this irrevocable law, it's amazing. If you were to get that, if I were to get that today, we would stop blaming everybody else. We would stop being dominated by our past because whatever we've gone through, we go, we could change that. Some people, even Christian, how many know, don't point to anyone, but how many have ever met a negative Christian? It's kind of like, well, my, you know, my life sucks and I always feel down. Yeah, but listen to the seed that's coming out of your mouth. If you stay negative, you're gonna create a negative tomorrow. As I often say on Sunday, if you respond to the ministry of the Word, you'll get a better preacher. Yeah, but it's not fair. Life is not fair. But here's an irrevocable law. You start sowing the right thoughts. You start sowing the right words. You start sowing the right actions. Because God says, as long as the earth remains, you can create a harvest through the seed that you sow. Oh, pastor, I wanna start a business. Have you got some keys? Yeah. Sow more than you think you have to sow. I'd love a better job. How do I get a better job? Sow more seed in your current job than you're currently required to do. Too practical for me. What are you saying? Work harder? Yeah. Work longer? Yeah. Be more positive? Yeah. When was the last time you went up to your boss and said, boss, you're the boss of this business and I get to work here. I'm here to make your vision big. What the flip? Where did you come from? I never believed people lived on Mars, but there must be some coming into land. You're one of those. You've got a different attitude. Seed time and harvest. Listen, listen, listen. If you don't see differently, you won't have a different tomorrow. Oh, my marriage, would you pray for my marriage? No, I'll pray for you. My prayer cannot change your marriage. You need people to take the responsibility to sow marriage seeds. And then you'll get a marriage harvest. Yeah, it's all right for you, you just married right. No, 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 Marie did. She's taking notes right now. (laughs) She's got to love me. She's got to love me. I keep telling her that. But the challenge for all of us is scripturally based evidence. Second Corinthians 9, 6. This is what I say. The one that sows sparingly. Oh, I tithe. Well, that's not giving. The one that's just having to do what they have to do. Well, reap sparingly. The one that sows 
bountifully will reap bountifully, but let everyone give as their purpose in their heart. Well, that's what the church has a trouble with. It's making people do anything. Here I am, I'm here to say as with Maria, as senior pastors of the church, if you in your heart don't wanna go God's way and do it what God's word says, that's your choice. We still love you, we still believe in you, but I'm telling you, we wanna unlock the plan of God and stop the plan of the enemy that maybe has been working generationally. It's gotta come from our heart inspiration. We've got to look at it. In fact, I think our generosity, to be honest, if you think about it, identifies how much self is still in your own inner world. Because when you start living for a bigger picture, it's like, well, I could live differently. Uh, Isaiah 32, 8, a generous person devises generous things. It's not when you go out for a meal or have a coffee, you're sitting around the table and thinking, if I just keep looking the other way towards the end of the meal, somebody else is going to get up. It's the ability, maybe even as you go into the restaurant, going up and saying, hey, here's a card. I'd love to pay for this one. Oh. Generous people, this divine law, they're seeding people. As I said, your work ethic, you want a, a pathway to see increase where you're working? Seed more than others. In fact, our tomorrow is always a reflection of our today response. Something doesn't happen just because you ask God to do it. God says, I want to empower you now to get to a place where you're blessed to be a blessing. You know, this, there's always stuff that's new in the Bible. I started reading again, John 4, 35. Basically, Jesus is talking and he says to the disciples, stop thinking that uh, harvest is only always going to come later on. There are not four months and then will come a harvest. But actually right now, the fields are white unto harvest. And we read that about people being ready for Christ. But verse 36, we don't often read on. It says, so he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Then it says that both the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in the saying, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. So I, in this situation, have sent you to reap that for which you have not laboured Others have laboured. So in other words, sowing is so important in the kingdom mindset because there are people around us that don't understand the principle and are not sowing for a harvest, but we can sow on their behalf. We can be the joy bringer. We can be the positive spark in a work environment. We can be the one that tangibly, when somebody can't break financially, we as a church are passionate about reaching needy people in our society. And they haven't been able to find a way so that they can have food and clothing and warmth and believe that they could be educated. We go, well, you know what? We'll invest. We'll sow into that so that you have never heard that it can change. We know it can change. So we're gonna seed and you're gonna enjoy our harvest. And I've always heard seeding and harvest in this breath. You sow and you receive the harvest. There is far more to this. You sow and you will receive a harvest. But you also sow and other people will receive a harvest. 
And so the enemy doesn't want you to become generous because he says you'll lack as you begin to invest into somebody else's wealth. And God says, no, you unlock a divine law that as long as the earth remains, there is seed, there is time, there is harvest. And it may not happen when you think it's gonna happen, but you can make a difference around you. And every time you say, I'm honouring you, God, God says, good, I'm stepping into that increase and I'm saying, devil, you can't touch this ground. And then I'm gonna teach you to do with the second thing, which is now to invest beyond your and as you invest beyond yourself. You know what? The devil knows that this divine law does not change and I'm gonna begin to bring blessing and that may be a seed, a time and a harvest. So don't go on an altar call trying to pray in more money. Go on an altar call saying, God, would you give me the capacity to make the changes that I need to make so I can go your way? Everyone go, can't do that in COVID worlds. <laughs> Seriously, hear my heart. Did you know that one seed, according to God's word, can set up somebody else's harvest and ensure your own? It's a multiplying factor. Oh, well, we tithe, yeah. Great, you're not robbing God from stepping in. But did you know that seeding unlocks harvest? You've robbed me from stepping in through not tithing and not sowing. Let's go on. Galatians chapter six and verse seven. Don't be deceived. God does not mock whatever a man sows, he will reap. Everything is a seed, as I said. Every part of who we are is a seed. And sometimes I do think there is this revelation. In life, we can spend a lot of our time in things that bring no harvest. A lot of people say, well, I only get X amount of money. This isn't just about money. This is a life principle. There's nothing wrong with replenishing. Some people would love to watch a movie, read a book. Others love watching sport. All of that is cool. But there are many things that we do with our time that have no harvest attached. So I would like to encourage people to think about what's the harvest of this? Yeah, but I love Coronation Street. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I've got some family members that love it and there's nothing wrong to stop. And, but what's the harvest? I don't know, somebody could help me. I'll get some letters for sure. <laughs> What's the harvest of just watching sport but never getting off the couch? What's the harvest of just doing all of this and there's no, no evidence of things lifting and building you? Well, there is no harvest. So now it's just one of the most precious things you have is time to create harvest. And so therefore we begin to blame, oh, nothing's happening. And it's like, no, 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 no. I've got to learn this seed time and harvest. We create the harvest with our seeding. And I've said this before, but many things are beyond my control, beyond your control. Harvest is not one of them. It's not one of them. I'd love to teach today, but just for sake of time, I won't. Matthew 13 talks about a sower went to sow. So they heard the message and said, hey, I, I need to become a sower, an investor. I'm going to invest seed. But some of that seed falls on the wayside. And on the wayside, the birds come and take it so it never can fulfill its purpose. It's, it's, it's life being spent for things that have no return. And the birds take it. Others fall on stony ground. We're trying to change something that doesn't want to change and there is no depth of earth. So again, it can't build a root system because there is no earth and then the sun comes, scorches and withers it. There are other parts of our life that we sow in amongst thorns. We're here to help everybody, but we're not here 
to engage every environment. There are certain thorny environments of thinking and what, what is not right that finally comes, it says, and it strangles the seed. And then it says, but then some seed is sown in good ground and that good ground produces 160, 30. The Bible doesn't say 30, 60, 100. It says literally 160, 30. Like God's intention is for you not to gain 100%, but 100 times. Somebody should get excited. A hundred times, and then if not that, 60 times, if not that, 30 times. Good ground is going to have a multiplying impact over the seed. So these thoughts of, yes, we position God's sovereignty with our stewarding. We create a harvest with our seeding. The third category is saving. That literally, we release future generations with our saving. Intentional saving, not saving for a car, not... Saving for a holiday, not even saving for our retirement, but there is a saving that God wants us to embrace that is gonna unlock the generations that follow us. That's why it's seed, it's time, it's harvest. And the church hasn't thought long-term. We just thought, well, I'm struggling so the next generation can struggle. My dad came to New Zealand. I think he was uh, 21 years of age. As I understand it, he had 25 US dollars in his pocket. He had six weeks on a boat. He left his family to start a new life on his own in New Zealand. He's in New Zealand. He sees this pretty girl walking across the road. She's in the meeting this morning. She's still pretty. Her name is Nelcha Katerina de Jong. She had eight children. Fine specimens they were. He whistled at her. She invited him over and that's where the story began. I said to dad later in life, I said, dad, tell me how it all began. He told me all of that. This is what he said to me, son. He said, I started with nothing. It's been good for me. I've learned a lot. And that's really how life works and you need to do that. Even though it sounds good, it's completely anti-Scripture. He was a good man, but he didn't understand what I understand today. God builds line upon line, generation upon generation. God is wanting to teach us that it's time for us to attack debt, get out of destructive debt, and begin to build into our home, which has an appreciating asset, and to put money aside for the generations that follow us. And before you argue with it, read the book, have a listen to other stuff that is based in God's Word. But I know for me, I was taught certain things and certain things we didn't have an understanding about. And so 15 years of married, marriage, as we said, we were in a place where it's like, we were taught to honour God with the first tenth, did that since I was a little boy, and then to bring our generosity, to bring seed for harvest. And there was always need, so more seed, more seed. I was happy to do it. But I said to Marie, 15 years married, we can never get a home. And it's like God says, come back and read the Bible again. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. Don't drift. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, woman sows, that they need to reap. That they also may reap. A farmer knows the reaping is more costly than the sowing. But they go and they get the seed and they pay the bills and then they put seed aside for the next year and then they build with some of the wonder of what they have had and they begin to think generationally, even though the soil may need to rest for this year, we're gonna build for the following year and we're gonna build for what's ahead of us. And in the church, we just build for our now. See, saving is our, in, in, our generational investment plan. 
It's what God is wanting us to do. And so we had embraced the law of sowing, but not the law of reaping. So back then, as I said, 15 years into our marriage, it's like, wow, so we're gonna change this up then. We've got to do something different. That's gonna be huge. People, again, as I said earlier on, people say, well, money doesn't grow on trees. It does grow on generational trees. God is wanting all of us to think about our children and our children's children and begin to turn our thinking around that all of us can unlock and produce a foundation for others to stand on. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22, a good person. Everyone say a good person. A good spouse, a good grandy. What do they do? They leave an inheritance for their children's children. And when they get a foundation of that inheritance, they realise also the wealth of the sinners stored up for the righteous. It's kind of like, wow, there's something there. There, there needs Marie. We, we need to think about a generational investment plan if that's the Bible, if that's what the Bible says. And it's kind of like this thought of going, wow, that, that means we should be doing something for our kids and our grandkids and yet we can't even get a home. So then we began to go, well, what does the Bible say further on in that? Chapter, the next verse, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. So don't give up. You you might look at your hand and go, there's very little in it. But in that soil, there's so much food, but for lack of justice. The word justice is divine order. The word justice literally is ordinance, which takes us back to Malachi 3. And God is saying, man, You can do it your way or you can come my way. But you can literally discover a whole lot more food than you realise was there if you're steward, if you're seed. And if you begin to save, we're gonna talk about in the last one, don't go into bad debt. If you've got a credit card and you can't pay it off monthly, you are doing the wrong thing. If you are getting credit for depreciating asset, it's gonna rob God's plan for your future. Wow, it is getting quiet now. Is all debt bad? I don't believe so. There is good debt, there is bad debt. But we're gonna talk about how do we deal with what comes to us and how do we deal with that? And, and I believe there is inherent potential in anyone and where they're at. God is looking at that and says, but you need to do it. So for Marie and I, we began to think, okay, well, how would that look for our grandkids? So we talked about it and said, why don't we start doing something that has never been in our family history? Okay, what would we do? Why don't we take a percentage of what we get when we're paid and start an account for each of the grandkids? Anybody wish they were our grandkids? Wasn't a whole lot, but let's start somewhere. That's been happening for years now. In fact, since the day they were born, every year they get a certain amount. Ruby, who's eight, doesn't know about it but that's no longer an account in the bank because you get no money for it. It's in an investment portfolio on a growth because there's a long time. When she gets married or turns 25, she's gonna discover that Mimi and Papa were building a foundation for her future. And she is gonna be able to go, wow, what's that for? It's not for a wedding ring. Get a better man than the one we talked about earlier. It's not to pay for your debts. It's not, no, 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 no. This is to go into your house. Here's the caveat. You get this money on the condition that once you've used it for your home, an appreciating asset, it's gonna go on to the next generation. 
And principally, you're going to add to it because you understand you have a responsibility. Wow. And in one generation, maybe two, if you're in deep poverty or have big debt, your grandchildren can walk into a world where they won't spend their whole lives trying to pay for a house. They'll be working according to the design of God for their lives to make a difference in the world in which they are. And they'll become generous people. They'll be people that have so much more. You see, true legacy involves a multi-generational echo. And let me say it as I bring this to kind of the end of today. Did you know that I had to learn God didn't want me to give all of my money away? He doesn't want that. There are times in your life where maybe He'll say, for you, I want you to do something huge, but you know it's God. When you don't have this, thus saith the Lord on your life, you live principle. So you say, well, how would that principle look? If we go to the screen, we're looking at how the four aspects of what we're talking about, stewarding, seeding, saving, and spending work together. It is my belief, and I think I can teach that from the Bible, that we don't tithe on our net, we tithe on our gross. It's because God is first. And then tax, we pay our tax because we get benefit from the land we live in. It's like, I have to pay tax. No, that's providing you with roadways. It's providing, yeah, but I don't agree with the tax laws. We'll go to another country that you do like. All of us don't like everything that goes on, but then there's a line between honouring God first, paying the tax. And by the way, the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to trip Jesus up and they said, so, you know, you're talking about we should live this new kingdom, not the Roman Empire. Well, then who do we serve with our money? Is it God or is it Caesar? You know what Jesus did? Give me a coin. Whose inscription is on the coin? Oh, that's Caesar. This is what Jesus said. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Then there comes this line which leaves you with your disposable income. And so you look at, okay, so our disposable income after tax and honouring God, bringing His tithe into His house, that's what He asked us to do, is seeding, saving and spending. We'll talk about spending as we wrap up the series, but seeding and saving. Let's put the percentages up. I would encourage you to start somewhere. If God says the first tenth belongs to Him, then honour Him. Then start maybe with your disposable income. You've got 100% of disposable income. Seed 2%. Put it into an account. Put it into an envelope. Start something. And then you can use it where you feel like you want to invest into someone else and create a harvest for them. I want to teach our church as we go forward. Most of us should not be, again, promising God in the next 12 months we're going to do something for a special project. We're going to go to our seeding and, and get, have ready something that we can bring to God. But what I have learned is you've got to tie together your seeding and saving. And your savings should first and foremost go to remove bad debt. Secondly, it should go into a home that has an appreciating asset. And that seeding should be targeted to go generationally. So start there and then live on 96% of your disposable income. Then think, oh man, that's going so well. My debt's coming down. Well, let's increase it then. Let's go to... 5590. Wow, we've got more seed to be able to answer somebody. Man, they just had a horrific thing happen in their house. They had no insurance. Well, hey, we can pay for the carpet. We could invest in the missionaries. We could do this over here. We could invest into somebody else's harvest. But we're going to save more. And we're going to live on 90% of our disposable income. 
The ultimate goal I would suggest is we would work to a goal of living a 10, 10, 80 of our disposable income. So the first tenth would seed and that unlocks harvest for other people, unlocks God to bring a harvest to us. We'd save and we'd begin to see our mortgage pay for. We'd have something that can go further generationally and we'd spend 80%. If you start to do that, you'll start to find the hidden food in fellow ground. Something is gonna shift. All of us can do something. I'll close out with this verse because I wanna base what I'm thinking about the thought that God's Word is absolute. Psalm 25 verse 12. God asks this question, who is the man that fears the Lord? Again, first person. This is not about an add-on, this is about you and me. That person, God will teach in the way that God chooses. You all get to choose. That's the thing about Christianity. If you ever feel manipulated, it's not God. God says, I'll give you truth. You choose whether you accept it. He Himself, the one that chooses God and the way that God chooses, will dwell in prosperity. I love this. And His descendants will inherit the earth. Did you know the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Descendants will inherit the earth. We can change the whole ability to bring God's kingdom to earth if we do it a principled faith way. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.